Hello, and welcome to the Work, Wealth, and Travel podcast. I'm your host, Nicole, aka Nomad Neeks, and this podcast is the place to be if you are looking to start creating a lifestyle that you love. From business, entrepreneurship, travel, starting and sustaining a digital nomad lifestyle, and of course, making money online and investing, we talk about all of it here. So let's dive into it. In today's episode, I sit down with Nico Bola. Nico and I chat about some of my absolute favorite topics. He is an Italian tax advisor and immigration attorney. So that gives you a little taste of the things that we spoke about in this episode. We spoke about how you can move to Italy, how you can pay very low tax, some amazing schemes that you can take advantage of if you are a foreigner who wants to live in Italy. And I mean, really, who doesn't, especially living this digital nomad lifestyle. So we dived into so much more. He is so knowledgeable around taxes, citizenship, any type of immigration to Italy or getting a passport by descent in Italy as well. He has been in immigration and accounting for 10 years. He owns his own firm. He knows his stuff inside and out. So let's dive into it and maybe you will feel inspired by the end of this to start looking into Italy as your next nomad destination. Nico, welcome to the Work, Wealth, and Travel podcast. I am so excited to dive into taxes with you today for Italy, and you yourself are an Italian tax advisor and immigration attorney, so we're going to dive into all of this in the scope of being a digital nomad and a traveler today, but before we dive in, let's start with your story, where you started, and how you got to where you are today. Thank you, Nicole, for having me. Um, just you know, to outline my experience in two words, I was an expert myself, born and raised in Italy, then started in the US, and that was, whoa, that was 10 years ago, and um, moved back to Italy, started working uh, with my apprenticeship in taxes and accounting. I had a small stint back in the US, and that's when I realized that uh, living in more than one country is actually quite problematic, well, or at least it raises more issues uh, with uh, your personal taxes and your personal tax affairs. And it was back in 2015 when I realized that's what I wanted to do. I realized there's a market for that. And a lot of experts are actually living in Italy. So I decided to dig deeper into the topic. I got my certification from Italy, from the United Kingdom. And I'm, I also then developed the immigration services to help people move to Italy, because actually Italy introduced few interesting tax breaks that people are willing to move now to Italy, even for tax purposes. Interesting. So we're definitely going to dive into that because I want to hear all about that in this episode. And, you know, I was just saying to you off of air that... Italy is not typically one of the countries when I talk about tax optimization for digital nomads who are travelers full time and do have the luxury of having that as an option for their lifestyle. Italy is not typically one of those countries that you would think to go in order to optimize your taxes. So I'm excited to chat with you a little bit further about that today and how that can look for digital nomads and people who are looking to relocate to Italy because it's a beautiful country. It has amazing food. I think Italy is probably on the top of every person's bucket list or pretty high up there to visit. Um, so let's start with why is Italy interesting for tax purposes? 
Correct. So um, Italy normally isn't. So Italy has um, a high tax burden on taxpayers on top of a high social security. Now, this is parallel with good level welfare services, but uh, especially for digital nomads, that may not be that interesting because you may stay in Italy for three, four, five years and working age, you're potentially not that interested in the healthcare services or uh, educational services, which are normally public and free of charge. Now, um, on top of that, Italy charges a wealth tax. So if you're a tax resident of Italy, you must also pay wealth tax on your Italian and non-Italian assets. So Italy becomes used to be quite punitive. Now, probably the tax office and, well, the government more than the tax office realized that and introduced new tax breaks. So basically there are three lines of tax breaks if you move to Italy. So our our tax brackets are progressive and they go from minimum 23 up to 43%. And most of the people, if you earn more than 50K, by the way, that's your income, not just your revenue, you are taxed at 43% marginal rate, which, which is extremely hefty. However, if you are employed or self-employed and a new resident of Italy, Italian tax system allows you to waive 70% of that if you live in the north or 90% if you live in the south, which basically means if you make 100k in Naples, you don't pay a dime in taxes. And if you make 100k in Milan, you pay roughly five to 6,000 euros per year. Now, this scheme runs for five years and you can extend it a further five years if you purchase a property or you have a family dependent. The second scheme is for high net worth individuals or ultra high net worth individuals. Basically, you can pay a one-off tax of 100,000 euros of all your foreign income and live in Italy. Uh, This lasts for 15 years. You can make as much money as you want. On top of that, you can remit as much money as you want. So I think England, well, the United Kingdom was the first to develop this RBI scheme. So the remittance basis income. So you pay a tax for all your foreign earnings. But the catch was that if you use that money in the UK, then you had to pay ordinary tax rates. Italy charges 100K and that's it. You can also add family members, so wife, well, spouse, and uh, your children for an extra 25,000 euros. So um, it comes quite interesting, so especially for high earners, or often happens with American citizens. In the end, if they pay more than 100,000 euros in the US, they could just claim this scheme and offset this amount against US taxes, and they're not worse off. And the final scheme is the 7% pensioner scheme. Well, of course, it may not be your audience because normally digital nomads are still in the working life. But if you're a pensioner and move in qualified municipalities, then all your foreign income, you pay flat 7% tax with no cap. So um, if you have pension plus rentals, interest, dividends, capital gains, self-employment coming from offshore, you lock in the 7% tax rate for 10 years. So there are a lot of uh, areas that Italy moved on. And because also of the competition of the southern Mediterranean countries like Portugal, Spain, Greece, probably the current, I would say, probably it's not even the plan of the European Union, but kind of embrace the, the Mediterranean lifestyle and earning in the northern part of Europe. So probably can get the best 
of both countries, but now you also have uh, interest in tax rates. So it may also be interesting to move to Italy and to save on your taxes, which has never happened before 2016. Many different tax options, I guess, for people who have different income levels, who have different lifestyles. So I like that Italy, it sounds like they're kind of catering to different demographics. Um, And you're right, you know, there are so many tax incentive programs in the EU from whether it be Malta or Portugal, maybe less so now. Um, But I think especially since COVID and the remote work movement, um, countries really do need to be as competitive as possible. So I like to hear that Italy is kind of up to par with that and knows what's going on, whereas Portugal kind of seems like they are regressing backwards a little bit, which I find very interesting. But I have some questions about specifically the first option that you mentioned. So you mentioned it's for new residents. What constitutes as a new resident? And then you also mentioned that I believe it's valid for five years. So after five years, what happens? Do you become, can you become maybe like a citizen and then you just have to pay normal taxes or how does that work? What happens there? And then the other question I had was you mentioned that there is a difference in taxes you pay, I believe in the North and the South. So why is there that differentiation in the North versus the South? Are there maybe more foreigners and expats in one versus the other? So starting from um, the the, uh, the actual, whether it's 70 or 90% break, what constitutes a new resident? So um, first of all, Italy does not tax you based on citizenship, but it tax you based on residencies. So whether you are an Italian citizen or not, if you live in Italy or if you're registered as a resident or you have your domicile or place of habitual abode, then you are defined as a tax resident of Italy. Therefore, you should not have been such, so not registered, not domicile, nor place of habitual abode for the two previous tax year. So if you're moving today, in the previous tax year, you should not have been a resident. Now, I've also assisted clients who just moved to Italy, stayed three years, moved away for two, coming back. Um, this is also an option. So you can restart from day zero as long as, you, as you're as you not a tax resident for two years, which then I'll explain a little bit um, how the tax year is treated, that it's not 730 days, which is two years, but can be less. Um, but then going forward, that's the only condition to meet. So not be a tax resident for the two previous year, move to Italy, be employed or self-employed, By the way, your employer does not need to be Italian. So you can be employed by a foreign entity and then you are subject to tax. Well, actually 70% of your income is tax-free. Now, there has been a lot of internal migration and international migration, especially from the Southern areas. And this is a problem that Italy had since, I guess, the, the late decades of the 18th century. So, um, if you think about all the um, Italians in, in the U.S., most of them, they're from either Sicily or Naples area, uh, or like the majority of that. So people tend to move out from those areas. And so they're trying to, I wouldn't say lure, but incentive people back in. Probably that's the rationale of the law. And, and the crazy part, if you think about that, it's every, basically every region excluding Rome so from Abruzzo South plus islands. So if you think moving to the Isle of Capri is very much wealthy, but that qualifies for a 90% tax break. 
So it's not about going to a less developed or out of the radar, off the radar area. It's more like that's the region they want to incentivize. Basically, they don't want to promote more people in Milan, but more people in rural, well, in southern Italy, not even rural. So um, that's the key thing. Now, th- this regime is quite interesting because there's no cap. So it doesn't matter how much you earn. So it's not like, well, you know, you got a 70% tax off, but you need to make 50K or less. Then what happens, this lasts for five tax years. You can also extend it a further five years, but you have to either buy any residential property, doesn't have to be your primary home, doesn't have to be in a certain area, doesn't have to be fit for particular use, doesn't have a minimum size. It just has to be a residential home. Or you have a family dependent, 18 years of age or less, with you when you arrived. So if you come here with your family and your child, your child is 16, by the end of the fifth year, maybe goes to university, well, you can still claim the extension. Interesting. I didn't know that those were two options that you had to extend the five years. And I like that those are more innovative options than just, you know, apply again or don't get it again um, and bringing money into Italy's economy. So in you saying this, it makes me think of, and I don't know how much you know about this even, but it makes me think of, I don't know the official name, but it was, I think it was about a year or two ago and Italy was incentivizing people to come by buying a dollar home. Or something like that. And I think a lot of them were fixer-uppers. But it sounds kind of similar to what you're saying in wanting these smaller towns populated to have maybe more, um, I I don't even know the purpose, so I'm not even going to speculate. But it it just reminds me of reading about that. Yes, yes, that's that's similar. So I've been uh, in touch with the uh, finance commission of the Italian upper uh, lower chamber. And we discussed, because in the end, we're we're not too many uh, tax accountants dealing with um, foreign affairs in Italy. I was quite surprised about that. Um, So basically, we were uh, required to kind of brainstorm about this incentives. But the key thing is not about bringing money back. The key thing is bring brains back. So whenever a community loses a lot of professionals, a lot of individuals, well, then you create a downward spiral where just, you know, you start losing uh, engineers, doctors, then you start losing electrician, plumbers, and then you're left with, okay, then house, houses are in ruins. So it's not about to get back a fixer-upper, which, by the way, that was quite an interesting program in Sicily. The city of Sambuca made a great job with that. And, and by the way, there are also great incentives if you renovate a fixer-upper because they give you tax break up to 90% of the renovation value uh, back uh, that you can claim against your taxes and you can combine that with the 70% scheme. So, okay, this is a little complicated. I'll make you an example. I'll drop an example. You make 100,000 euros of taxable income. Then 70% of that is tax-free. So you pay taxes on 30. Let's say your gross tax is five to 6,000 euros, but you spend 50K renovating a home which attracts, for instance, a 50% tax break to be spread in 10 years. So in this event, every year, you can write off your gross tax, 2,500 euros. So you can also reduce it. So the 70% reduction operates against the gross tax. Then you have the regular tax deduction, health expenses, vet expenses, house renovation expenses, 
foreign tax credits, um, miscellaneous tax credits, education tax credits, primary home purchase tax credits, et cetera, et cetera. And that's the thing always, um, a topic I like to discuss with my clients beforehand. You don't care about your gross tax. You care about your net tax, your out-of-pocket expenditure. So if your tax break, if you sit in the 43% tax break, but you have so many write-offs that your tax bill goes down to few hundreds, would you care about a 43% or would you care about 1,000 euros or 10,000 euros to wire to the tax office? So we need, we don't need percentages. We need the actual amount. That's where you have to make the decision. Hmm, interesting. Wow. I didn't realize that there were so many tax breaks that you could take advantage of moving to Italy. I think this is this is very eye-opening. Let's chat about actually moving to Italy. Is there a specific process? What does that look like? Does anything need to be done beforehand, be in place beforehand? Documents, I know, um, you know, within my process in a different country, but my process, I had to have many documents to become a part of their tax system to get that tax number. What does that look like? Or is that something that can be done on the ground when in Italy? I'm sure this might look different for Americans um, versus other countries. But yeah, tell us kind of what that looks like. Making a move to Italy is, I mean, making a move to any foreign country is a big decision, even if you're by yourself. There are a lot of consequences and some of them are unwanted. Um, The key thing is about your taxes. Now, I normally advise to provide a certain audit of your tax position or of your potential tax bill if you move to Italy or if there's any item to discuss before. So, for instance, are you sitting on long-term capital gains? Uh, will you be taxed twice because there's no double tax treaty between your foreign country and Italy? Or do you need to adjust anything, restructure your tax position to be more efficient in Italy? But you need to coordinate that with your foreign country. So that's a common thing, especially when you deal with American clients and say, wait a second, I have a pastoral LLC, it's very efficient. Well, let's see if that's the same in Italy and you figure it out. Or we have many uh, long-term capital losses to offset. So what should we do? Well, Italy allows that as well, but probably they allow that in a reduced percentage or in a different trade. It's You definitely need to understand your local position and your foreign and your future retirement position. Now, in order to move your tax residency, uh, you need to either be a EU passport holder. So if you move to Italy and you have an Irish passport, fine, you can register as a resident. Well, if you don't have that, if you are just, a, well, a non-EU citizen, you just hold one passport, well, then you need to have a residence permit. Now, in order to have a residence permit, you need to acquire a long-term D-type visa. So long-term D-type visa means that you can settle within a country. I got so many people claiming, well, I can get a business C-type visa. Well, that allows you to stay in Italy 90 days up to 180 if you're not part of the visa waiver program. So you cannot become a resident and you cannot move to Italy on a temporary visa and then change the visa from here. So it's very important to understand that you need to do every part of your visa process has to be granted by the local Italian consulate in jurisdiction where you reside. So if you are a U.S. citizen resident in Japan, well, the Italian consulate is the one in Tokyo, or I guess we have one in Osaka as well. So it's important to understand that. The second thing is 
how, what kind of visa can you claim? There's an easy visa, it's the elective residence. Well, that if you live on 31K of passive income, you can move to Italy, but there's a catch. You cannot be employed or self-employed. Then you have employment visa. Then you have a golden visa if you invest in a local business, which, by the way, can be your own. So you set up your own business, pull 250K in the business, and you graduate a visa. Or you can create, if you have a non-Italian limited company, whether it's UK, US, Brazil, uh, China, Turkey, India, whatever, you can create a representative office and move to Italy. By the way, if you do that, it doesn't mean you're bound to that residence permit forever. You can change that. The only visa which turns into residence permit you cannot change is the elective residence. You're stuck with that for five years. So there's nothing much um, you can do with that. Um, now, once you're, and this is basically a three to six month process. So if you need to claim the uh, any type of visa, it takes three to six months. Best case scenario, because you need to gather certain documents from Italy. You need to have a proof of lodging, whether it's a rental or it's a temporary accommodation by a friend of yours. Well, it takes time. Weeks rack up. And then the Italian consulate is not just there say, hey, we've been waiting for you for a while. We have next day service. No, it may take a few weeks, uh, especially if you apply in England that now they have to do with Brexit. So it's like, that's a madness. <laughs> it's quite complicated. Um, but with that on hand, you can you then have a window to move to Italy. So EU passport or visa. You move to Italy and there's a key date to think on, which is July 3rd. Because Italy defines you as a tax resident if you spend the most part of the year in Italy or if you're registered for the most part of the year in Italy, our tax residency always starts on January 1st. So if you move to Italy by July 3rd, your residency started on January 1st behind you. But if you move on July 3rd, your tax residency will start on the next January 1st which gives you a period to restructure your wealth, your estate, your taxes, your structure, while in Italy, without paying taxes in Italy. And that is also nice if you can apply a split-year test, because, for instance, with England, you move to Italy in, I don't know, uh, August, you're not a tax resident of Italy, but it but UK ceases to treat you as a tax resident from the day you move, for instance, if you start your employment or your self-employment, therefore you're not taxed until January 1st from Italy and you're not taxed until January 1st from England. So it's very important to, to figure that out. So for instance, you secured your visa in May. Well, I would rather take the plane July 5th. Um, that's a, a, an easy thing for your strategy, which then postpones of one year everything. So, you know, the five-year clock starts on January 1st, not on July. So that's uh, an easy strategy. Then, of course, you need to have an Italian tax code and you can request it in Italy or I advise to get it from the foreign consulate. You know, you're in the process of moving. You just fill a form with your personal details and your passport and they hand you uh, a tax code. And we use that like your social security number in the U.S. for every single thing, even to, to sign a contract, like a rental contract, banking contract, 
or you need that to set up your utilities, you or your Wi-Fi, you need the Italian tax code. So that's the key element to have before moving to Italy. But then, of course, I mean, if you also think, you know, I'm doing your visa, well, then you have to deal with the consulate and you have enough time to think on uh, the, the Italian tax code as well. But having a tax code, that, that's a question I always get, doesn't create any tax liability exposure to it. It's as simple as that. Like tax code is just a code. You may use it or not, but you don't become a tax rise. And also, Italy introduced the digital nomads visa, but they're yet to release the qualifying criteria. It's been one year, so still waiting on that. That would be a deal breaker. But normally, whenever you discuss taxes and relocation, there are two items that go alongside, immigration strategy and tax strategy, which they are different, but they go together. And we don't have at the moment in Italy a single program that combines both. So you do not hop on an immigration program and then automatically you are into a tax program. So you need to pick those. The good news is that you can pick those once you file your tax return, which is the year after you move. But I always hear this misconception. Hey, I hop on a golden visa, so I'm just, uh, I locked in the 100K flat tax. Not really. You have to file your return and claim it, et cetera, et cetera, but almost. <laughs> so that, yeah, that's... Yeah, there's countries always do that. There's always some little fine print in there that most people yeah. don't read. Well, and and it's quite interesting because also the Italian Golden Visa website, they advertise the flat tax, the 100K flat tax program, but they didn't write, hey, that's a separate pro." Like, you know, you move to Italy, you become resident, then you need to apply for that. And that's probably what generated the confusion, but it's important that those two are two different strategies. And the temporary visa to Italy, the temporary permit, needs to be renewed every year. And by the way, if you are employed or self-employed in Italy, you can register for healthcare services, you and your family for free. So that's, there's, no, there's no particular charge. So if you are a digital nomad, you move to Italy because, for instance, you have your US LLC and you create your representative office in Italy. So you move on that ground. Then you can keep being a freelance, basically, Claim the seventy percent off, and you can also benefit of the healthcare for free. So there's no separate charge for that. But now, if you're in Italy on a temporary residence permit, they normally last one or two years, but you need to renew it every year. And normally, you need to show a minimum income of twelve thousand gross twelve thousand euros. Which, honestly, if you don't make those uh, before taxes, I don't know how you can afford living here, even by yourself. It's uh, I mean, inflation got the cost of living. I mean, 12K, they're not enough. I don't have a flamboyant lifestyle or a lavish one, but 1,000 euros per month, it's quite hard to meet <laughs> a month ends means. So, but anyways, you renovate every year. And after five years, you can claim the European residency card. With the European residency card, you can relocate within the EU just like a EU citizen. For instance, you move to Italy, you get an Italian temporary permit. Then after two years, you want to move to Portugal. You need to go through the visa process again for Portugal. 
But the kicker is, well, you can do, you will do that from Italy. So in the Portuguese embassy in Italy, because you're resident of Italy, but you need to go through the visa process again. And then you move to Portugal and have a residence permit and moving forward. But if you stay five years, then you have a new permanent residency card. Of course, the card has an expiration date like every document, like your passport. But hey, I have the EU temporary uh, permanent card. I get a job offer from Poland, from Czech Republic, from Ireland, from Greece. You can just go there and settle there with no, um, no troubles. So that's something you have to build up. So there's no program, hey, I just moved to Europe and you and your family are good to go forever. No, um, you have to build it up. Um, and when it comes to citizenship, you need, in Italy, you can claim citizenship. Well, it's, unless you have an Italian ancestor, basically Italy has an indefinite bloodline. So if your great-grandfather was Italian, you may be able to claim the passport. But otherwise, you need to be a resident for 10 years in Italy, and you should have paid tax for the last three. So year 8, 9, 10, you should have paid minimum of 15,000 euros, if I'm not mistaken. So, but that's a, a long time frame. That, that's, I mean, some people, they like to build it up. I got clients that just moved here and they built it up. They're still far away from the goal, but for instance, they've been living here for six years. Of course, combining with the tax breaks, et cetera, that makes it more affordable. Wow. Interesting. Thank you for sharing all of that. That's a lot of information. So I feel like if you're listening and you're really interested, go back and listen to it again. Um, but I think that sounds amazing. You know, there's so many different options that are available to people really at all all price points, all different lifestyles. So in you saying all of this about the residency, the citizenship, I'm curious about, and, and you don't have to go into full detail about this because I know this could be a whole nother podcast <laughs> episode, but the business aspect. So let's say, or, or I'm not even going to give an example. What happens with most of your clients is that usually they have a US LLC or they have something set up for their online business. And then how does that transition over to Italy? Or does it just stay in the company? they've the country they've set it up in and move over to italy what does that look like so uh normally the type of so immigration is normally catered to employed positions so common scenario uh you are an engineer from wherever and you get a job offer from italy you move uh having like the so-called sponsor uh, when i was in the states everybody was talking about hey you, get, you need to find a company which sponsors you same thing happens in Europe. So there are fewer options if you are self-employed. The, the easiest option is to have your own LTD um, outside of Italy. So you can create a representative office and move on a company secondment or assignment. So there's no, unless you, you opt for the golden visa, which requires a quite important outlay of capital, so minimum 250K, then if you are a businessman and you have your own business outside of Italy, I would use that route to then move to Italy. Now, once in Italy, I normally structure this position um, either as a salaried position from your foreign company. And by the way, uh, you can have a foreign business and operate in Italy, and it's um, and that is not attracted by Italian taxation. The business is not attracted by Italian taxation per se. And the representative office does not create a tie to the Italian tax system. 
because it's a representative office, it can only generate costs. It cannot be attributable to revenue streams. So it's not a branch. It's not uh, a permanent establishment. It's a mere representative office, which, by the way, you can discard once you are in Italy. You're like, okay, fine. I use that as a bridge. Um, then you can operate as a, a salary position, whether you're a managing director or an employee of the company, or you can operate as a consultant. Now, a strategy I commonly use for clients, especially when they decide to move, is to um, allocate revenues in a certain jurisdiction. So, for instance, uh, if you are in a, normally happens with Americans, which are the largest export population in Italy, you keep your business in the US and I want to have the most flexible position in Italy. Because if in three years you want to move to Bali, Thailand, or even to France, well, then you have, I wouldn't say a nightmare, but you have extra unwanted cost and time to exit from Italy. So a common thing that people don't think, so everybody thinks about the entry cost or the entry requirements, but what about the exit points? So it's just like leaving cookies on, on, on browsers and you want to delete those. That's why I prefer to have a very simple freelancing position that you can close it overnight and by the way, Italy does not require you to trade with an Italian bank account. I have clients, they just have their clients offshore, they cash their amounts in dollars, Australian dollars, pounds, even euros, using their long history of accounts. And they stay in Italy temp for two, three, four years, and they leave, but they just relinquish their lease and close their personal freelancing position, pay their last taxes, file their last tax return, and see ya. I never advise, unless you're talking about a big corp, to create a local uh, limited company to run the books and run the payrolls. Then it gets more complicated. If you have an international business, if you have an international uh, lifestyle, well, you should think about time and flexibility over structure. So how easy is that to relinquish? How easy is that to move away? How is this to wind everything up? Well, that's what my clients, that's the clientele normally cater, they focus. So I normally do not advise to transfer your business to Italy unless you have very specific questions. So I had a client who works in the leather uh, industry and they had to move because their key, key clients are based in Italy. Well, key suppliers and also part of the client. So well, for his type of business, moving to Italy made a lot of sense on a brand and reputation. As I said, if your lifestyle is to hop around different countries, you should pick one country to incorporate your business, one country to keep your banking relationship, and then wherever you are, you just pick a local flexible structure to um, help you until you move. So that's 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 how normally I advise um, the digital nomads clientele. Yeah, I love that. Thank you for mentioning that because I think that is a very common question and maybe you've seen this too, a misconception, maybe not question of people when they think, oh, I'm going to move to Italy and I'm going to set up a life there. So I have to have my bank account and my business and everything in that country. And I personally, for my lifestyle, I always advise against that. I don't do that. I don't want one country to have claims on everything. But I think that is a very common misconception because that is 
the traditional way of thinking is, you know, my life is here and now I'm a resident here. So everything else has to be in this country. And I think I think that narrative is changing a little bit within recent years. But I think that's still a very common misconception. Now, starting to wrap up, I would love to chat about money and costs. So you mentioned at one point, I think you have to be making a minimum of 12,000, which I completely agree with you. I think that is probably the bare minimum, if not to survive in Italy. And I'm sure the prices fluctuate depending on which city or town you're in. But what can somebody moving to Italy expect for the average cost of life? Well, the 12K I mentioned before was in regards to the minimum requirement to renew your residence permit. Uh, now, Italy, uh, well, if, you, if, you, if you've been in Italy, it just, uh, it's a very diverse country whenever it comes to cost of living. So, of course, you have two key centers of gravity, which are either Milan or Rome. Normally, in those areas, it's, well, of course, it's extremely variable. Depends where you want to live. Depends if you want to live in the outskirts, et cetera, et cetera. But normally, just to rent a place, uh, well, well, unless you, you like to live with college students, which I liked when I was 22, now, uh, not any longer. I need a more comfy lifestyle. But I mean, the, the minimum you spend is a thousand a month on your accommodation, which that includes um, the condominium bills and probably another budgeting, another 100, 150 of heating and electricity and water. Of course, I mean, the, this varies on the month by cooling and heating, but normally that's um, a budget. But if you live by yourself uh, as a digital nomad in a large area, which is either Milan or Rome, probably the Naples and turn to a certain extent, considering all your life costs, probably around the 2,500 per month region to live a comfortable lifestyle. The, the key component uh, in Italy is normally rental. So rental is quite expensive. So, well, normally takes a big chunk of your paycheck if you earn the average Italian salary. To me, in my opinion, the key thing to basically unlock the full potential in Italy, well, which, by the way, if you consider Milan to other major metropolitan areas in Europe, uh, or Rome compared to Paris or to London, well, that's a fraction of that. It's way cheaper. But if you consider that to live in, I don't know, in Tarragona, Spain, or the Canary Islands, well, that is more expensive. But to me, the, the full potential of Italy, the, the, the chorus of Italy is to earn, do not earn an Italian salary, have your foreign clients, so you can bill your US rates, your UK rates, your Australian rates, and then live in a mid-sized city, like between 50,000 people to 300,000. Probably that's, you know, otherwise, I mean, cities like Bologna, Florence, they can get a little bit congested and they're normally also university towns. But if you like a comfort, I mean, comfortable lifestyle, that provides the cost of living goes down because your thousand euros a month you pay for rent that goes down to 500. And then also life is a little bit easier in smaller cities compared to Milan because then Milan gets very active. I mean, I mean that's, that's my viewpoint. Uh, and the key thing I advise if somebody relocates is rent before you buy. So Italian real estate prices, if you exclude Rome and Milan or, you know, well, if you want to have the villa next to George Clooney's one, yeah, that's expensive. 
but <laughs> if you if you like to have you know a villa not that i mean in in the prime spot of the como lake well prices are not that bad compared to other european countries the problem is you're stuck with a deal it takes probably two years to sell so think about if that home has been sitting there for a while before you arrived it will sit for a while before you leave so i normally advise to rent before before buying because then you figure out if that area is for you you may move there in the summertime and spring which is fantastic then november kicks in and like oh jesus like you're just locked in in a ghost town so that's another key component to think uh, or so, or maybe you moved in the summer. There are too many tourists, and you want to move out. And then September kicks in, and it's gorgeous. Um, you never know. So, but when it comes to budgeting, probably between twelve hundred to twenty five hundred to live an average, uh, comfortable lifestyle in Italy. That's more or less the price. And by the way, you don't have to pay for health insurance. Uh, that's true. Yeah, that seems very affordable to me, at least, um, in a beautiful country in Europe that I think everybody wants to visit. That seems very reasonable. So thank you for sharing that. So wrapping up, are there any last thoughts, anything that we didn't touch on that's important that you want to share? Another item I always advise my clients is check the optical fiber network of Italy. Uh, You'll be surprised that certain large areas are not well served, while certain smaller areas are extremely overserved. Think about Sardinia. Sardinia has the fastest, fastest network of Italy, and it's off the radar for many digital nomads. Everybody talks about Puglia and Sicily. Second, flight connection. Moving to Italian islands, you have more connection than certain areas. Florence, flights are underserved. Cagliari? You have more flight. Palermo, you have a direct flight to New York. That's weird. So, because normally islands are better served for flights. Other items to consider is also inheritance tax and inheritance exposure. So, of course, I mean, as an Italian, we're a little bit superstitious about death. But if you move to Italy, then you also beca- you become a resident for income tax. But if you die in Italy as a resident, you are also liable well, not you, but your estate, because of course you cannot, for a technical reason, liable to pay inheritance tax. And Albite Italy provides a 1 million exemption nil rate, nil rate area for every lineal dependent, so 1 million per child, plus business items are excluded, plus life insurances are excluded, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. You still need to deal with inheritance from Italy. So you need to appoint an executor, you need to use the Italian laws. So it's very important whenever you decide to move to Italy. And by the way, it's very important if you decide to move to any country, including Italy, to fix your will before you move. So to make sure that your will is compliant in Italy and to make sure that you elect the country that uh, taxes your estate and administers your estate. So for instance, as a US citizen, you can say, I want my will to be uh, administered under the U.S. laws exclusively. So if you die in Italy, then your estate is dealt by a U.S. executor, which, you know, may be your family lawyer that your family members know. Otherwise, then you need to move that to Italy and then you're currently, 
your uh, issues or your family is sitting in the States and they need to go to an Italian consulate, provide a statement, put the apostille, move to Italy, translate, it gets quite complicated. So that's another item that people do not think as much as they should is to adjust their will and estate before making the move to a different country. Yeah, interesting. I'm glad that you bring that up. And I, I can tell that that is something that you probably advise all of your clients on, which I think is very um, respectable. But I think that's important because you're right. A lot of people don't think about that. They think about the the benefits and moving to Italy and it's going to be so beautiful. And sometimes you do have to think about those kind of less favorable things that you don't really want to think about, but that are important to think about. So I think... This whole episode has been so enlightening, so much information. Definitely go back and give it a listen if you want <laughs> to reprocess. Um, but what I've taken away really is if you are serious about moving to Italy and now you know the different schemes and the different options that you have and that you might fit into. But I think it's probably best to speak to somebody like yourself. All your links will be below um, so that you can really figure out what is going to be the best option. Because it sounds like to do this on your own is going to be next to impossible unless you are an expert. So where can people find you online? I have my website. That's my key point. And uh, also my Instagram and Facebook account. Uh, I'm not very good with social media, to be honest. Um, thank God I have a great social media manager, but probably the website is with the blog, with all the information, uh, it's probably the best place to reach me at. You've just listened to the Work, Wealth, and Travel podcast. If anything from this episode stuck out to you, I would appreciate if you take a screenshot and share this episode on your socials. Of course, be sure to tag me. Don't forget to leave a review for the podcast that seriously helps out the show and helps it out with discoverability. I would really appreciate you leaving a review, sharing on your socials if this episode truly stuck out to you, and I will see you in next week's episode.